and welcome to the podcast. This is part two of our sugar episode on Hypochondriac's Almanac. I am your host, Sarah, and I've got Katrina with me this evening. Say hi, Katrina. Hi. This is the wonderful medical podcast that we have that is a sister podcast to our true crime one. I have my wonderful sister, Katrina, recording with me. She is a nurse in training, right? How is that going? Oh, you know, it's so much fun trying to study when you have kids. Right? Trying to juggle a life, a husband, kids, working out, everything else that goes along with it, and trying to provide for your family while you're studying like a freaking maniac? Yes, it's awesome. What about the courses? Do you find them very, very difficult? Or is it just sort of like, it's just a lot? It's not as difficult as much as it's a lot of stuff to take in. It depends on the teacher. Sometimes you get some amazing teachers that just provide the information in a way that that you can learn it. And some of them are just hard and difficult to learn from. It just depends on who you get. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's with that with any college professor. But I am really proud of my little sister because she has been thinking about this and considering it. And she's been in the medical field for many, many, many years, right? How many years do you think you've been in the medical field? In various aspects oh, of it. <laughs> like 15 years. Yeah, absolutely. I remember she was working in a nursing home, right? Mm-hmm. Way back when you Hard. first got out of high school. Yeah, one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. Yeah, we had a discussion about that in several other of the other episodes and how challenging emotionally, physically, and mentally it is to work in a center like that or a facility where people are either rehabbing or old people are in there after they've had health problems. And it is just, it can be a lot more than most of us can handle, right? Yeah, emotionally it takes its toll on you for sure. So what made you want to go into nursing after being in that particular field? Um, I would have to say that seeing people who um, have experienced head injuries or different illnesses and different sicknesses, because I also worked in the ER for seven years, and just wanting to help and teach people like how to be healthier. And I just like to help people, so I just feel like that's a good fit for me. That's awesome. So after having been in this, the medical field in various other positions, she decided just within the last couple of years that, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and get a nursing degree and be a nurse, like a professional nurse. And the thing is, I have probably a dozen friends that are nurses, and I don't know that any of them are unhappy with their decision to work in that particular field. And it is very encouraging to hear that because it is a field where they take care of their employees and it is hard. It is very, very hard and it can be a struggle at times, but it is very rewarding. And most people that I know that work in that field say that it is worth it. So we are continuing on last week's episode about sugar why don't you tell me a little bit about what you notice with your own family when they eat too much sugar? So, I mean, I would have to say that um, with my children, it's it started out where I figured out what foods 
my kids were reacting to. It started out with my daughter needing to change her diet because of her her needs, her her special needs. Let's take a step back, and why don't you tell the listeners who did not hear the last couple of episodes how Maya has special needs. So Maya has an undiagnosed learning disability, and um, she has a speech disorder and a sensory processing disorder. I have done so much research on learning disabilities and, and one of the things that I kept coming across was, um, food and what they're eating and how it doesn't cure them of their problems, but can help them with their concentration and help them feel better. Mm -hmm. So I noticed when I started to change her diet, how it impacted her. Well, then I started to think about if that is impacting her? How is it impacting my other kids? Yeah. Well, I noticed when I started making their diets more focused on whole foods that they stopped getting sick like they were getting wow. all the time because kids get sick a lot. What then I noticed and started comparing to their peers that my kids like rarely ever get sick anymore. Like they get, you know, little colds here and there, but it's never like their peers. Um, so I've just seen such an amazing increase in their their ability to fight off stuff um, once I changed their diet. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Let me just, we need to take a step back. Let's go through our disclaimers real quick before we jump in today's, to today's episode. First and foremost, we're not doctors, medical professionals of any kind. Please, please, please do not take what we say as a medical advice or diagnosis of any kind. We are not trying to treat you, diagnose you, or fix any of your medical conditions. If you have an issue, please see a doctor. Do not guess or take what we say as a diagnostic tool. We just want to talk about all the fun, weird, and wild parts of the medical world in the past, present, and the future. Sugar. So Katrina just gave us sort of a a personal little story about what she's noticed with her own children and what sugar consumption had, how sugar consumption has impacted them. I am going to kind of talk about some interesting facts about sugar. First and foremost, it is one of the world's oldest ingredients. People in New Guinea were likely the first to domesticate sugar cane around 8,000 BC In the 16th century, a teaspoon of sugar cost the equivalent of $5 in London. I think we talked about this in the last episode. Sugar originates from the Sanskrit word sharkara, which means material in granule form. The American Heart Association recommends adult women eat no more than 24 grams or 6 teaspoons of added sugar and men no more than 36 grams or 9 tablespoons of sugar per day. That seems like a lot of sugar. The current average is about 30 teaspoons of sugar a day. Is that not crazy? That's a lot of sugar. Get this. The only taste humans are born craving is sugar. Isn't that crazy? So scientists believe that our sugar cravings are rooted in biology. I, I, I believe that. So in 1822, the average American ate 45 grams of sugar, which is about the amount of one of today's 12-ounce cans of soda every five days. 
So in contrast, Americans consumed about 765 grams of sugar every five days. Isn't that insane? How much more we consume now? That's a lot. Worldwide, people consume about 500 extra calories a day from sugar. This is roughly the amount of calories needed to gain about a pound a week. So we're just really on the wrong track worldwide when it comes to sugar consumption. So we kind of talked about this next fact in the last episode, but too much sugar can increase the overall risk for heart disease. In fact, sugar actually changes the muscle protein of the heart as well as the pumping mechanisms. Did you know that? That that makes sense. And as well, excess sugar consumption has been linked to cancer production. We talked about that in the last episode as well. Studies have found that high sugar intake negatively affects the survival rates in both breast cancer patients and colon cancer patients. That's pretty scary. And then this next fact is one that we kind of touched on in the last episode as well. Sugar addiction can be genetic. Studies show that those who have genetic changes in a hormone called ghrelin consume more sugar and alcohol than those who had no gene variations. So we have that sugar gene. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Sugar and alcohol have similar toxic liver effects, and we touched on this as well last episode. Liver damage Mm -hmm. can occur even without excess calories or weight gain. So consuming that sugar can do the same thing as if you're drinking the booze. So be aware, people. Additionally, studies found that glucose consumption accelerated the aging of cells in the body. Studies also show that excess sugar consumption has been tied to deficiencies in memory and overall cognitive processing. Damn, (laughs) I'm not on the right track. I'm like probably going to have dementia and Alzheimer's with all the sugar I've been consuming. One 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola has 65 grams of sugar. This is the same amount of sugar in five Little Debbie Swiss rolls. So if you're having one of those standard bottles of Coca-Cola, that's a shit ton of sugar. That's a crap ton of sugar. So a 15.2-ounce bottle of Minute Maid apple juice contains 49 grams of sugar. This is about the same amount of sugar as 10 Oreos. Additionally, Gatorade has about 36 grams of sugar for a 32-ounce bottle, which is like eating five Reese's peanut butter cups. And a can of Monster Energy has 54 ounces of sugar, which is about the same as three and a half cups of Frosted Flakes. Jeez. Damn, that's a lot of sugar. Moreover, a grande Starbucks iced flavored drink has about 28 grams of sugar, just a grande, which is the same amount of sugar in two and a half Krispy Kreme donuts. This is a crazy one. Lemons have more sugar than strawberries. What? How is that? Crazy, huh? But a lemon is bigger, so obviously than a strawberry, right? More than half of the 8.4 million metric tons of sugar that is produced in the U.S. each year comes from sugar beets. Did you know that? So, like, I thought that most of the sugar came from sugar cane, but sugar beets are a big producer. This is interesting. Scientists who discovered sucralose, or Splenda, were trying to make an insecticide. An assistant thought he had been instructed to taste a sample that he had been asked to test. 
So he was confused. Uh, he tasted it. And that insecticide was sweet. And he was like, oh, hell yeah. This is Splenda. Let's do it. I don't like geez. Splenda. I, I don't enjoy it. Do you do you ever eat Splenda? No. Oh, Splenda's gross. Yeah, it's very bitter. I, d- I don't know how people find that appealing. It's gross. The sweetest compound known to man is called Lagoon Lug Duname. It's over 20,000 times sweeter than sugar. I need some of that. Can I get some of that? (laughs) (laughs) Just give me one little drop of that and I'll be good. So one teaspoon of white sugar has 15 calories. And one teaspoon of corn syrup has 20 calories. So you can see kind of the difference between those two things. That the same amount of corn syrup as sugar has more calories. 200 years ago, the average American ate two pounds of sugar a year. In 1970, Americans ate 123 pounds of sugar per year. Today, the average American consumes approximately 150 pounds of sugar in one year. This is equal to six cups of sugar in one week. Is that not insane? Beyond crazy. I mean, if you, I mean, thinking, I mean, you don't think about those things when you're eating it, right? It's insane. One 12 ounce can of soda a day adds enough sugar to a person's diet to boost their odds of developing heart disease by a third. Now you know why they're taxing the sodas. The thing with soda is like, I I'm, I don't crave soda. I don't drink it. It's not, I don't have it in the house. It's not something I consume. It's not something we consumed as kids. Mom and dad never really brought soda into the house. So it's not something that we have struggled with. What about you? Do you have soda in your home? No, no. My kids have never really had, they've never really had soda. Except for like when we go to birthday parties, they might have some soda but like it's really really rare right and I try to like avoid it at all costs it's it's so sweet we I don't crave soda no neither do I like I just don't I do like Kavita which is a is a probiotic drink but That's it doesn't have soda, right? sugar. it has like one gram of sugar in it yeah so, so Americans consume most sugar about 33 percent of their sugar intake through soft drinks followed by sugars from candy, about 16%, cakes, cookies, and pies, which is about 13%, fruit drinks are about 10%, dairy desserts and milk are about 8.5%, and other grains are 5.9%. So the most sugar we're consuming is through soft drinks. A third of our sugar intake is through soft drinks. Well, and that's like empty calories. Oh, yeah. The average American... value to it. The average American consumes 53 gallons of soft drinks per year jeez that's insane that's a lot of sugar (laughs) so if you want to find the amount of calories from sugar in a product multiply the grams by four for example a product containing 15 grams of sugar has 60 calories per uh, from sugar per serving so most people are also not aware that sugar can take on some different forms as well sucrose fructose and lactose are also forms of sugar sucrose is the most commonly used form of sugar and is usually called table sugar so be aware if you're looking at the labels that those things can also mean that there's sugar in your product rather than just saying sugar because most people look and look for sugar right that's true 
Most cereals for children, such as Fruit Loops, contain one spoonful of sugar for every three spoonfuls of cereal eaten. Often the least healthful ones are marketed the most aggressively, even to kids as young as two years old. That's insane. Yep. So I remember they have like the sugary cereals with like the cartoon characters on them, right? Like corns, or I princesses. Really wanting like Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms and those kinds of things, but we weren't allowed to have those when we were growing up. My mom bought Cheerios, shredded wheat, and regular cornflakes, and that was it. That's all we had in the house. And even Cheerios has quite a bit of sugar in it, believe it or not. It does. It really does. But I don't think it necessarily did back then. So did you know Brazil is the world's largest producer of sugar cane? And India Mm. is the world's largest consumer of sugar. As crazy as that sounds. Wow. India, really? Yeah. Because it's such a Mm. large population within India. Sugarcane is usually grown in large plantations or cane fields. It can yield up to 44 pounds of sugar for every 11 square feet of land. Initially, sugar was used in certain things because it is useful. It helps cakes and breads rise, prevents food from spoiling, keeps the color of fruit by holding water, and brings out the flavor in many different foods. So sugar is not just necessarily a sweetener for many things. Interestingly enough, sugar has also been shown to cause wrinkles, which can happen when excess blood sugar binds to collagen in the skin and makes it less elastic. So if you're mowing down on that sugar, you're going to look more wrinkly too. (laughs) Stay away from that. This is crazy too. Until the late 1500s, sugar was called white gold and European nobility used to display their socials, used it to display their social standing. After about 1,600 on, technological improvements and new world sources helped turn sugar into a bulk commodity. But white gold? That's crazy. (laughs) Well, if you think about it, it like, so it makes sense it would be considered white gold. So this is interesting. The percentage of total calories from added sugars decreases linearly with increasing income for men and women. In other words, people living in poverty are more likely to eat more added sugar than their wealthier counterparts. Isn't that crazy? So cheap to buy it now. Men consume a larger absolute amount of calories from added sugars than women, and but not when their added sugars intakes were expressed as percentage of total calories. The percentage of calories from added sugars declines with increasing age and income. And this part we talked a little bit about last episode. According to brain scans, sugar is as addictive as cocaine. Yeah, and I've seen those stimulates brain scans. It's the, crazy. And it stimulates the same parts of the brain that heroin and cocaine do. Interestingly enough as well, non-Hispanic black men and women ate a larger percentage of calories from added sugars than non-Hispanic white or Mexican-American men and women. And then finally, researchers found that people who drink two and a half cans of sugary soda daily are three times more likely to be depressed or anxious than those who drink less. Okay, first of all, who the hell is drinking two and a half cans of sugary soda every day? That's crazy. A lot of people do, actually. I have friends who are so addicted to soda, they drink several a day. That's insane. I find that so hard to believe, like just because we don't drink soda and we don't crave it. But why don't you tell us some weird things that sugar's doing to your body? Alrighty, 11 weird things that sugar does to your body. 
Sugars make your organs fat. We touched on this one on the last episode. Mm -hmm. The fructose, a component of table sugar and high fructose corn syrup, in added sugars triggers your liver to store fat more efficiently and in weird places. Over time, a diet high in fructose could lead to globules of fat building up around your liver, a precursor to non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. You said that also. A, a tip, a sugar smart tip, avoid drinks with lots of added sugars, like soda. Yep, we covered off on that one. sounding smoothies. No sugars, no soda, no smoothies, no fruit juices. Got it. Read your labels, people. I mean, seriously. I mean, and just try to stick to whole foods. I mean, it's, okay, what it's else? pretty simple. Uh, sugar primes your body for diabetes. We also touched on that one. Uh, sugar hammers your heart. You might expect sugar curbing recommendations from the American Diabetes Association, thanks to sugar's clear impact on the disease, but the reality is that heart disease and diabetes are intricately related. Heart disease and stroke are the number one causes of death among people with type 2 diabetes, accounting for 65% of those deaths. Jeez. Don't exceed American Heart Association's recommended sugar levels, which are five teaspoons for women and nine teaspoons for men. Per day. And three teaspoons for children per day. That can add up quick. For reference, a can of soda generally contains up to 12 grams of sugar. Like I said, that can add up quick, especially if you're drinking soda and having Starbucks and sugary cereals and everything else. It, it really ends up being out of control in a very rapid way. That's very true. Sugar creates tense blood vessels. Added sugars cause excess insulin in the bloodstream, which takes its toll on your body's circulatory highway system, your arteries. Chronic high insulin levels cause the smooth muscle cells around each blood vessel to grow faster than normal. According to the Sugar Smart Diet, this causes causes tense artery walls, something that puts you on the path to high blood pressure and ultimately makes a stroke or heart attack more likely. That's scary. Sugar promotes cholesterol chaos. There is an unsettling connection between sugar and cholesterol. A study in the Journal of the American Medical Association found that after excluding people with high cholesterol and or diabetes and people who were highly overweight, those who ate the highest levels of added sugars experienced the biggest spike in bad cholesterol levels and dangerous triglyceride blood fats and the lowest good HDL cholesterol levels. One theory, sugar overload could spark your liver to churn out more bad cholesterol while also inhibiting your body's ability to clear it out. It leads to type 3 diabetes. Brown University neuropathologist Suzanne DeLamonte, MD, coined the term type 3 diabetes after her team was the first to discover the links between insulin resistance, high-fat diets, and Alzheimer's disease. In fact, her work suggested Alzheimer's is a metabolic disease, one in which the brain's ability to use glucose and produce energy is damaged. Did you hear about that? So they're basically considering Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes, which seems logical as fuck, right? Yeah. 
Well, yeah, it makes sense if you think about it, or the way they explained it. Very, very, very interesting. Crazy. Sugar turns you into a junkie. For real. Yeah, we know the truth about that one. <laughs> Much like street drugs, sugar triggers the release of chemicals that set off the brain's pleasure center. In this case, opioids and dopamine. And as they do with street drugs, people develop a tolerance for sugar, meaning they need more sugar to feel good. Fix. In rat studies looking at sugar addiction, when animals binge on the sweet stuff, they experience chattering teeth, tremors, shakes, and anxiety when it's taken away. What were you saying about how it makes you feel afterwards? That you can have fucking withdrawals in the same way that you would when you're, like, going off <laughs> drugs cold turkey. It's crazy. Yep. Sugar turns you into a ravenous animal. I think you had talked about how it makes you more hungry. Yeah. Hello. In the last episode. Yep. Sugar makes you feel famished. Emerging research suggests regularly eating too much sugar scrambles your body's ability to tell your brain you're full. Carrying a few extra pounds and living with type 2 diabetes can throw off your body's ability to properly put off leptin hormones. Leptin's job is to say, I'm full now, stop eating. Fructose also appears to play badly with leptin. Eating a high fructose diet means your body feels hungry even when you're overeating. Word. Yikes. Sugar makes you an energy-starved zombie. <laughs> That's That was mine. You know the feeling. You grab a chocolate candy bar and with it get that brief jolt of energy, soon to be replaced by unrelenting fatigue. Science shows it takes you just 30 minutes or less to go from a sugar rush to a full-on sugar crash. This sugar, sp sugar spike and crash sets you up to want more sugar, a vicious cycle. To add insult to injury, the Sugar Smart Diet points out that the sugar also triggers the release of serotonin, a sleep regulator, so much for an energy bump. Number 10 is a sugar, turns, sugar turns your smile upside down. We might reach for sugar to feel better, but we're getting the opposite effect in the end. A study published published in Public Health Journal followed nearly 9,000 people a lot of people to study the link between depression and eating sugary sweets and fast food. After six years, those who ate the most junk faced a nearly 40% greater risk of developing depression compared to those who shun junk food for the most. In people with insulin resistance, it appears the brain releases lower levels of feel good dopamine. That makes sense. Yeah. Sugar wrecks your face. Okay. <laughs> Sugar in your bloodstream attaches to proteins to form harmful new molecules. Yeah, I think you talked about that. Mm -hmm. These unwanted invaders attack nearby proteins, damaging them, including protein fibers and collagen and elastin. <laughs> Just stay away. It's hard, though. It's so addicting. Let's talk what happens when you actually cut the sugar out from your diet. Sugars can be natural or added to foods. It's impossible to cut sugar out of your diet completely because sugars are naturally in foods like fruits, vegetables, and dairy products. However, you can benefit from reducing or cutting out sugars from your diet as long as you eat plenty of nutrient-dense foods to replace those sugars and other unhealthy components. 
So let's talk a little bit about what it can do. You can promote weight control by cutting sugar from your diet. Sugars are carbohydrates with four calories per gram. And cutting added sugars out of your diet can help you lose weight or prevent weight gain by reducing the total number of calories you eat. Many of the top sources of calories in the American diet are foods like sugars, ice cream, baked goods, cookies, candies, pies, and donuts, sugar-sweetened soft drinks, and energy drinks. Cut out those things and you can actually promote a healthier weight. Cutting out sugar regulates your blood sugar. You can have better control of your blood sugar levels when you avoid added sugars because of their high glycemic index. The glycemic index of foods with carbohydrates indicate their potential effect on your blood sugar levels and high glycemic foods can lead to sharp spikes in your blood sugar after you eat them. A high glycemic diet, which may be high in sugars, can increase your risk of type 2 diabetes. Refined grains are also high glycemic. Keep in mind that the glycemic index does not consider the nutrient content of food, and low glycemic foods may be low in nutrients or high in unhealthy fats. So just be aware of that when you're looking at the labels. You can also lower your triglycerides. Too many added sugars can increase the levels of triglycerides in your blood and raise your risk for heart disease. If you have high triglycerides, reducing your intake of added sugar can lower your triglycerides. Other dietary changes for healthy triglyceride levels are to choose whole grains over refined grains, limit intake of saturated fats and trans fats, and eat unsaturated fats like olives, nuts, canola oil, peanuts, and olive oil. Physical activity can also benefit your triglycerides. Reduction in cavities is also another benefit of reducing sugar in your diet as well. Cutting sugar out of your diet can lower your risk of developing those cavities. That kind of seems like an obvious one to me. You have a high risk of tooth decay if you chew gum, drink sugary beverages, or suck on candies because bacteria can ferment sugars for as long as they stay in contact with your teeth. Obviously, when you talk about gums, they're talking about non-sugar-free gums, gums with sugar in them. However, eliminating added sugars from your diet does not guarantee healthy teeth because you can get tooth decay with carbohydrates, especially if these carbohydrates remain on your teeth for long periods of time. So floss your teeth regularly, rinse your mouth with water, and brush your teeth after a meal to promote healthy teeth. I don't want to have snaggly tooth. No, my teeth are really important to me, and it's something that I very, very much pay attention to. But the thing is, I've heard that, number one, cutting back your sugar intake does not necessarily prevent tooth decay. It just is a matter of making sure that your teeth are not in contact with carbohydrates or foods that are sticking to them, because that can help promote a breakdown in the enamel on your teeth. So if you're eating like chips or breads or things like that that are sticking to your teeth and into the cracks between your teeth, then that can promote tooth decay. So like rinse your mouth out with water or milk, having a glass of milk if you're not lactose intolerant with your meal can help promote healthier teeth and help with the breakdown in the enamel once you eat things that are more acidic. And then the other thing is, Dennis also don't recommend that you immediately run through and go brush your teeth after you've had something super acidic because that can actually 
the acids can weaken the enamel in your teeth so that you, if you immediately brush your teeth, then you could potentially risk damaging your teeth because the acid, the enamel is weaker. So wait a little bit, drink some water, rinse your mouth out with the water or whatever, um, and then brush your teeth after 10 or 15 minutes afterwards. Or chew on some sugar-free gum to kind of promote the saliva and the within your mouth to wash away whatever traces of your food are on your teeth sugar sucks it's a tough thing because don't get me wrong i freaking love sugar i'm so addicted Mm -hmm. to it Uh, you'd probably like cry if you heard the sugar that i had today you would just be like horrified do you want me to be perfectly 100 percent honest about what i've had today Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're going to be so scared. Okay, so I started out my day with, and this is fucking awful. Oh, my gosh. I would be in so much trouble with my boyfriend if he knew that I was eating. So hopefully he won't listen to this podcast. <laughs> so this Because we're supposed to be doing keto together. But this morning when I got up, I had the la- I had three quarters of a cup of the Starbucks refresher, right? So that's got to be at least 40 grams of sugar right there. Sweet, sweet, sweet. Much, much sweetness. Okay. So I go to work. I sit down. I work for a little bit. Then I have a bagel with butter and two hard boiled eggs. Okay. So I'm sitting down. I'm like, la, la, la. That's not too bad, right? I'm like, okay, I'm I'm good. I'm good. I'm doing so good. And then, bam, about two, three o'clock hits, and I get this awful, awful, awful craving for something. I'm not necessarily craving sugar, but I'm like, I know I need something to boost myself and my energy level. So what do I have? You want to guess? Coffee. No, I don't drink coffee. What I have is two oatmeal cookies and two packets of Skittles. Not one, (laughs) but two packets of Skittles. Okay. So at that point, I'm like high as a fucking kite on sugar. And I'm like, okay, I just, I had a binge. I had a bad moment. This is very bad. And now what do I do? Okay, but it doesn't stop there. (laughs) Oh, no, it doesn't stop there. (laughs) So I get done with work around six o'clock. I head home. And what do I do? I have about five maybe six frosted cookies. You know, those little tiny ones with the vanilla frosting on the top. Yes. The circus ones. Yes. No, not the circus ones, but the ones like a sugar cookie with regular frosting on top. Oh, gotcha. But not the big ones, the little ones, the little bite sized ones. Okay. Okay. So then I'm like, okay, but I didn't stop there. Oh no, I didn't stop there. I had half (laughs) of a freaking Lemon meringue pie. Oh. (laughs) And it wasn't a big lemon meringue pie, granted. It was a small lemon meringue pie. So it was roughly like five inch diameter, right? So it's not a full size. But still, what the actual fuck was I thinking? And then I had a pizza. I had a a small pizza to to top that off. And PMSing? No. And an entire bottle of champagne. And I wonder why I can't lose weight. <laughs> well, wow, I'll tell right? You, I, I'll tell you what I ate. Tell me what you I ate. This is going to be a thing now. Made, 
Tell us what you ate. I, I, I st- we have, to, let's be real here. Okay. Okay. I started out good. Keep it real. Because I was doing, doing my ketos. Right. And I made, um, like this keto cereal with like coconut, um, shredded coconut. Right. And you're like, um, check me out. I'm all healthy. And I toasted it. Yeah. And I, and I ate that like as a, like a cereal and I was doing really good. And then at lunchtime I ate a slice of pizza. Like keto pizza I, or just like fucking regular we pizza? We went to the beach. We went to the beach. So um, I had packed a whole bunch of snacks for the kids, but I'm just sitting there. So I started eating popcorn, like microwave popcorn. Oh, no. And then I had, yeah, I had two packages of like the fruit snacks. Okay. And the little, yeah, I was going nuts on the little fruit snackies. And then um, I was doing a lot of baking. So. I had some bacon for dinner, which was part of the keto thing. Right. But then I had some ice cream. Oh, no. A whole gallon of it. You had a gallon? (laughs) Oh, you did me proud. No. It was one of those little, one of those little quarts. A pint. It was a pint? Yeah. Yeah. One of the smaller ones. But But I ate the whole thing. I still think I have you beat. (laughs) (laughs) yeah a little bit yeah right and now i'm like i'm like this in this phase of like Mm self-loathing where i'm like that comes with it why did i fucking do this and then i'm like okay we're going Mm -hmm. to hawaii in two weeks and i'm just like a fat little piggy and i can't get my shit together and i can't control what i'm eating (laughs) I am. I have no self control. What happened to me? I used to be able to like fast and diet and like control my sugar intake, and now I have absolutely lost all control. I have none. No self control. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It's hard. Sugar is hard. It's not just sugar. I had a fucking pizza. Well, pizza has a lot of sugar in it too. Hi, Chihuahua. I'm out of control. Because you think about the sauce. We talked about that. I need help. The sauce on the pizza. I need help. Yeah. <laughs> I need serious counseling. I need some inpatient treatment for food foods and food addicts. I already told you I have an alien stomach. Okay? My, my stomach just, like, does what it wants. And, like, I don't have any control over that. How much of that is from when we used to, like, push it down? Um, I don't know, but for the listeners that aren't aware of our situation, our sitch right up in here is when we were little, not little, but like teenagers, there's, there was this thing where like eating was like a competitive activity for us. Like every single holiday where my mom would cook <laughs> and she would freaking make these turkeys and mashed potatoes just like out of the blue. It wasn't just Thanksgiving where we had turkey and mashed potatoes. It was like Five holidays, mm. at least a year with turkey and mashed potatoes, because a turkey I is relatively turkey and mashed potatoes. A turkey mm. is relatively cheap, and so are potatoes. So she would figure, okay, I, if I go buy like this twenty-pound turkey, it's relatively cheap, and it can feed the kids because she had five kids. It can feed the kids for like a week or two weeks or whatever, because you can make turkey soup mm-hmm. and you can make turkey casserole and you can make turkey sandwiches, and so this is a really good product pot pie. to buy to keep your kids fed. So she made turkeys quite frequently, and of course, we had this thing, this little policy with Katrina and me and some of the other siblings where it was about eating as much as you could and pushing that food down so that you can consume more. 
Because if you didn't go for seconds and thirds, then there was something wrong with you. Right? <laughs> yes. And then I usually won though. No. Please. You were in last place every time. Literally every no, time. That is a lie. I've always won. No. Last place. Anyway, and then we would get up and go take a walk so that we could push the food down and consume more, which is like a recipe for obesity. Like literally. <laughs> <laughs> so awful. Like don't do not do what we say. This is why I'm not super skinny. Right? I will never be skinny. I will never be anorexic because I have a very unhealthy relationship with food, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. We are keeping it real up in here today on this show and telling you all about no our lies. food habits. Recognize that you may have an issue too and get help. Get some counseling. <laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> I need counseling, people. I need counseling. I need Inpatient therapy staff. I need extensive inpatient therapy. And I'm not saying that in a funny way. I'm not saying that to make fun of people that do therapy. I'm saying I literally feel like I need help. Yeah, we're being silly about it. But the the truth of the matter is I really need help too. Yeah. So. I feel like I'm my relationship with food is so unhealthy. Yeah. And I'm not really sure why that is. ridiculous. I'm not really sure why. It's just something that I've grown up with and something that I have become accustomed to and lived with for 40 some odd years. I feel like it's something that I need to fix, but I'm not sure how. So it's mm -hmm. uh, perplexing to say the least. My favorite thing is when people say, well, just stop eating. Right. Like it's that easy. That's what my boyfriend says all the time. Well, just don't do it. Don't eat it. Like, it's that easy. Okay. That's what addicts <laughs> well, say as well. Well, if it was that like, simple, then right? don't you think I would have done it already? If you it was I that easy, then do you think all these freaking people that are addicted to cocaine and heroin, wouldn't, wouldn't they just drop it too? No. We're all addicted to it. We're addicts. I am a sugar addict. Mm -hmm. It is just as bad as being a heroin addict or a cocaine addict. I know people will probably write us and say, no, 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 these drugs are way worse. Because, yeah, the drugs like meth and heroin and cocaine can kill you. But sugar can also yes. kill you. It's just a slower process, right? Yeah. It just seems less worse in some areas because it's not technically considered a drug. Right, but it's still not but good. It, but it is. It, it right? impacts your body the same way a drug does. So so that, that's a complex issue that uh, I'm sure we'll get a, a couple of hate emails saying, my daughter's addicted to heroin. How dare you compare yourself? Okay, we apologize. Well, we're not trying I to any... we're not trying to downplay or belittle anyone that has a drug addiction. But addiction no. is addiction, whether it's addiction to exercise or food or drugs or whatever. Addiction is still addiction. And I don't think you can necessarily clarify and say one addiction is worse than any other addiction. Addiction is still addiction and it's still unhealthy. Mm. Agreed. I th addiction is just a horrible thing for anyone to have to go through or experience. And I think that it is important for us to be sensitive towards others for that. Absolutely. Well, let's wrap the show up for today because I think we've done a pretty damn good job. 
talking about sugar. <laughs> All right, this is the point where we say goodbye. So long, farewell. Please rate, review, and subscribe. This episode has been super real, folks. We know it may be a little bit much for some of you out there that are listening, but just bear with us. We're being real honest. We're keeping it real. We're bearing our souls. Questions, comments, suggestions, corrections, please send us an email. Hypoalmapodcast at gmail.com or hypochondriacsalmanac at gmail.com. We will put those into the show notes. Please join us again next week when we talk more about strange medical news, conditions, and treatments. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay healthy, keep it real, and always live your very best life. Bye. Bye.